Now, I want you to buckle your seatbelt and maybe hold on to the person next to you because I do this every year because uh, I, want, I want you to be ready. I want you to also pray. Next week will be our tithing sermon. Oh, there's some people who are happy about that. Come on, yeah. Next week will be our tithing sermon, and I, I do that every year during our uh, vision series, and, and I do it another time during the year as, as it's a biblical aspect, and we want to move through that and understand how we partner with God and faith. Amen? And uh, James, James says, you tell me you have faith, but I'll show you my faith by my works. And uh, so if faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, then faith is a tangible thing. And that's what we've been talking about over the last few weeks as we've been renewing our vision here at church. We've been talking about why we have to have faith pressed into what God has spoken to us. To be a church that plants a region of churches. Come on. Right? To be a church that disciples and raises up the next generation. To be a church uh, that's more interested in uh, and thriving than just surviving. Uh, and investing in legacy. To work in an apostolic way uh, to lay foundations. This is who we are. This is what God is doing with us. To provide an atmosphere both physically and spiritually, where the power of God can meet people where they are. And, uh, you know, David would say, man, I go away and come back, and, and uh, you know, there's another half acre of land full, filled up with a building. Amen? You know, all you got to... So I don't know, if you, when you go away this March and you come back next January, David, I cannot promise, amen, anything, but... know about you but there all through all the wrestling there's an air of anticipation and excitement in my spirit that God is showing himself faithful to meet us where we have extended our faith and I want I want to just talk about realities today in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 now faith is so that's a, that's a present thing. Hello, someone. Are you with me? That is a present thing. Now faith is. It is. Right now, it is. This is its definition. This is when we think about faith, we can, we can have all kinds of images in our mind. Jesus can say, if you got faith big enough, you can say this mountain be moved and it'll be moved, right? Like, I mean, all these things. When we look at the Lord talk about faith and he gives examples, we always put it in an impossible realm. But if you pay attention to what Jesus was doing, he was connecting what it means to trust God with actions in your life. Now, faith is... The substance of things hoped for. The last few weeks we've been down that. It is the evidence. Everybody say evidence. Of things not seen. And so Father would you bless the reading of the word. To the hearing of our ear and receiving of our heart this morning. In Jesus name. And everyone said. Amen. Now I want to give you a, a dictionary's definition. Of the word Evidence. Right? So we, we're going to put it up here. Evidence is this. It is defined as an item or information to prove the existence of a fact. 
That's evidence. So in a court of law, uh, lawyers will enter into evidence a fact or a substance that proves the existence of their point. This is a fact. Video is a fact. Fingerprints or hello someone. This is evidence. DNA is evidence. Are you with me? This is evidence. This proves a fact. That's what evidence is. Now, we have no qualms with that. The problem comes with the word circumstantial evidence. Let me give you the, the definition of circumstantial evidence. It is indirect evidence that does not on its face prove a fact. It's circumstantial But it doesn't prove a fact. It's not denying the circumstances. But it has no ability to prove the fact. It is circumstantial evidence. It is evidence that if you removed that circumstance has no authority or power to prove a fact. Oh my, oh my. Are you with me, church? Faith is the substance that sees the evidence of the promises of God. It visualizes future in advance. Faith sees the future as present. Abraham, Abraham saw a city. Come on, someone. Faith was accounted to Abraham as righteousness. Because he believed God. He believed the fact that God had given a promise and would keep it. Can I say this to us? Because in case you're sitting here this morning, you're like, all right, where's he going with this? Well, listen, every great achievement in our world began with someone seeing it in advance. When faith happened, let's just even remove the spiritual idea of it. When see, every great achievement, someone saw it in advance. Can I prove the point to you? When JFK stood up in front of America and said, Hello, someone, let's put a man on the moon. Did you know that when he said that, the technology was not yet invented to do it? If you, if you talk to my wife, she still doesn't believe that it happened. She's like, I cannot talk to someone on a cell phone on shimmel. There's no way. <laughs> can hide from the government on shimmel road. John F. Kennedy stands up before all of the world and says, let's put a man on the moon. And the technology was not, it wasn't like, hey, uh, but Mr. President, guess what we can do? Watch. We can do that? Let me go tell everybody. No, no, no. He stands up in front of everybody and says, let's put a man on the moon. Do you know that everybody who was involved in NASA that day probably had a heart attack? What is he talking about? That's never been done before. Come on, church. 
But when faith happened, see, faith is believing when I don't see it. Some things have to be believed before they can be seen. The world says seeing is believing. But God says believing is seeing. I want to talk to us, church. I want to talk to us as a church. I want to talk to us personally. God says believing is seeing. Now, there's some things you hoped for. There's some things that you believe in God for. Amen. There's some things that you've got in your heart that maybe God has put a promise in your heart. God has spoken something to you over your life and your family. God has given you a purpose or a destiny. He spoke this over your life. You've received it, but it hasn't come to pass yet. In the physical, you don't experience it. You don't see it. You're not, you're not. As a matter of fact, everything you experience and see is actually anti that. We have to be careful not to live our lives based on circumstantial evidence. See, your circumstances tell you the opposite of what God has told you. Come on, someone. The Bible says that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. And you're like, that's not what my circumstances are saying. The Bible promised us healing was the children's bread. That's not what my circumstance. Come on, church. The Bible said to us as the people of God, we should be the head and not the tail. And we're so far down the tail, we feel like we're the part that's always dragging the ground. That's what. Are y'all with me, church? See, our circumstances try to prove God wrong. And so what happens is we, instead of basing our life on the Word of God and the promise of God and everything God has spoken and everything that God has done, we tend to base our lives on circumstantial evidence. The evidence of our senses. How many of you ever watched a Western movie? I am a sucker for a good Western. Tombstone. Gotta be the greatest. It's a love story, absolutely. Got to be the greatest. Val Kilmer's greatest role as an actor ever. Doc Holliday was amazing. I love the one scene where they ask Doc, why is he out there? And Doc says to them, Wyatt Earp is my friend. And the guy looks at me and says, I've got a lot of friends. And Doc Holliday says, I don't. That's the guy I want on my side. That's the guy. I love Tombstone, a great Western. But, uh, you know, often in Westerns, what you see is a huge scene. There's this great wagon train that's moving across the West, right? And, and they're all in a straight line. And all of a sudden, the enemy comes over the hills to attack the, the wagon train. And what does a wagon train do? It circles the wagons in order to keep uh, them from being attacked. And, and when they get circled up, then the enemy rides around them in a circle, right? And, and, and in order to keep them from moving forward to their destiny, to their promise and all those things. And, and this happens until they start firing back. 
And we watch this happen and we feel so bad for those who are encircled by an enemy. And all of a sudden, over the hill, what you hear is a trumpet blasting and here comes the cavalry. And they're like, oh yeah, it's on now. And you're like, here they come. The cavalry's coming to the rescue to, to rescue that which has been encircled, that which has been stopped from moving forward to its dream and its destiny. And they are saved because of the cavalry. You see the word circle? It comes from, I got to be careful because David's in the house today. He's, he reads and writes Greek and Hebrew. The word circle comes from the word succumb. That word is the root word for circumstances. Around. Come on. And let me tell you something, church. In this place this morning, I know we've all been there. But see, that is exactly what I just described that all of hell is doing to our lives right now. Circumstantial evidence. Circumstantial evidence is encircling us and keeping us from moving forward into what God has called our destiny and our promise to believe. Circumstantial evidence says your daddy was an alcoholic, you're going to be an alcoholic. Circumstantial evidence says your parents were poor, you're going to be poor. Circumstantial evidence says uh, you've always been an addict, you're going to stay an addict. Circumstantial evidence says you come from a broken home, your home's going to be broken, y'all not helping me. Circumstantial evidence says you've always been sick, you're going to die from this sickness. Circumstantial evidence says you've never finished anything, you're always going to come up short, y'all helping me circumstantial evidence says your life has never had meaning so you will never find purpose circumstantial evidence says your marriage has always sucked you can't have a good marriage circumstantial evidence says come on church you keep having miscarriages you can't have no more babies. Circumstantial evidence says you're too young. You got to wait your turn. Ain't no spot for you right now. You're too young. You got to wait your turn. There's no spot for you right now. Circumstantial evidence says you're too old. Your time has passed and you have no more value in the kingdom. Circumstantial evidence says young people have always been abandoned by God, and so God's going to leave you too. And we believe this circumstantial evidence so much that we live our lives as if the circumstances are fact. And hell has encircled us in order to keep us from moving on in God. Hell does not want us to come into the territory that it has held so long that God has actually promised is yours. Hell does not want you to get to your promised land. That's what hell is doing in this church right now. All the things that are telling us our vision can't happen. All the things that are telling us, you can't do that. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. Because it doesn't make any sense, then you should be paralyzed. 
Because in the mind, it doesn't, the math don't add up. So you should do nothing. You may tell you what the enemy whispers to me about this church. You can't find a people who'll stay committed. And you know what the circumstantial evidence does to me? It causes me to see. Come on. And be discouraged. For the lack of commitment. You can't find a people who want to walk in unity. You know what? You know what the devil does to me in that moment? Circumstantial evidence. Look, every time you walk in the building, somebody's complaining about You can't find a people who want to give and invest. You want to build a $1.7 million building in this economy? Have you lost your mind? Have you seen the interest rates? Have you seen what the politicians are doing? They're going to bring this world to a quick end. I need everybody room in this room to understand God's already written the end, and the end has nothing to do with what politicians do or don't do. And my faith cannot be put in the fact that politicians will behave themselves, that they'll have our best interest in mind. Do you understand that the further we get away from the cross, the worse the curse of the effect of brokenness is on the world? Those people aren't going to behave themselves. They can't behave themselves. They're not full of the Spirit. They're full of the world. I'm not putting my faith in them, and I'm definitely not waiting on them to do what God has called me to do. You can't find a people who will give. I promise you, and I will make this promise every time I preach on the subject. But if every family in this church tithes, I will never allow another fundraiser in this building. Won't need it. Won't need it. If every person in this room had faith for a dime on a dollar, I wouldn't have to have conversations with the bank. The bank would have conversation. And everything we need is in this room. But circumstantial evidence says, come on. You can't find a people who will believe and trust God to give and invest. Circumstantial evidence says you can't win an army of young people. They're too distracted. The world draws them too much. There's too much entertainment in the world. But in our church, we have proven it time and time and time again that there's some young people who not only are loving revival, but they're carriers of revival. Circumstantial evidence tells us that we can't plant a region of churches. Why? Where y'all want to plant a building? Where y'all want to plant a church? You do not have to talk this preacher into it. That's the enemy encircling us to keep us from moving on in God. 
But I read a scripture in the book of Numbers, chapter 10, verse 9, and it says when you go into the battle in your own land against an enemy who is oppressing you, sound a blast on the trumpets, then you will be remembered by the Lord your God and rescued from your enemies. You see, God is looking for a people who are less interested in titles and more interested in servanthood. God is looking for a church full of people who could care less who gets to do what as long as we put our our necks and our shoulders to the plow and see God do what only God can do. God is looking for a church who's only interested in Him getting the glory. As a little boy, really wanted to be a part of the Civil War, but he was too young. But he could play a bugle. And so he went and he asked what he could do for the army. And they said, Great, if you can play a bugle, we need you to practice. And he practiced day and night and he learned the songs he needs to know for the army division. And he was now part of it. One time in the middle of the battle, his division was losing the battle. He was pretty panicked as a young boy. He couldn't hold a weapon. He was too young. All he had in his hand was a bugle. His bullets whizzed by him. His cannonballs whizzed by him. All he had in his hand was a bugle, and he was a little bit panicked. And the general shouted at him, play the bugle, boy. He began to play the only song at that moment in his confusion that he could remember, which was Charge. (laughs) And the generals began screaming at the bugle boy, what are you doing? Sound the retreat. And the little boy said, I can't remember that right now. And once again, all he blew was charge on his trumpet. And the troops rallied and they won the battle, which they had been losing because someone sounded the charge. And that's what a lot of us need to do spiritually, physically, and financially in this room and in this church. We need to be sounding the charge. Stop believing the circumstantial evidence in your life. Calvary has come to rescue you and save you. Calvary has already rescued us. And in a prophetic word, we need to begin to speak God's word and have total confidence of it. Faith does not walk according to circumstantial evidence. Circumstances, faith walks according to what God has said. The Bible says to us, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Mark chapter 8, it's an incredible chapter. We've referenced it already. Jesus and the disciples are having a conversation, and Jesus says to his disciples, says, they were walking on their way to Caesarea Philippi, and he said, who do, who do men say that I am? Can you imagine this conversation? Like, I wonder if it was silent or if there was a little bit of chatter going on. You know, it just it doesn't matter whether it's silent or whether there was. When Jesus speaks, I bet everything stops. And so, Jesus just out of the blue, just, who do men say that I am? 
right off the top of their mind. I mean, they've heard this before, right? And, and, and some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and still others say one of the prophets. And then Jesus, can, I, I can see him just stopping right there and looking at his disciples and saying, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? At this place, Jesus would have stopped, would have been a place where worship to false gods would have happened because of water that flowed in that area. On the side of the cliffs would have been holes bored in where idols were stuck, where people would come and make sacrifices for the life-giving water that was flowing in this area. Jesus stops in a place where Satan is worshipped. And he makes his disciples make a statement in the middle of circumstantial evidence. Who do men say that I am? Who we say Jesus is within our circumstances is everything. Whatever the devil is using to encircle us and to keep us from moving on in God, it's got to be stood against with the Word of God. Did not God say? His Word isn't circumstantial. (laughs) Glory. His Word is fact. Do you understand that? When you examine the facts, the evidence then is easy to see. Jesus is the living word. He's the living fact. And the closer you are to the facts, the less likely you are to believe circumstantial evidence. Hebrews 11.3 says, Through faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were made of things which do appear. Hebrews 4, 14, it says, Since we have such a high great priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. You see, I could get up here this month and give you a whole bunch of lists of things that this church does, but I'd actually need six plus months. Or I could put in front of us the heart of God to us and renew our vision towards it. The problem is I know we have an enemy who loves to use circumstantial evidence, both personal and corporate. What is our confession? And let me say this to you. In every circumstance, it has to be that Jesus is Lord. When we can't understand it, it has to be that Jesus is Lord. 
When it doesn't make sense, it has to be that Jesus is Lord. When it's beyond who I am, it has to be that Jesus is Lord. When I'm discouraged and emptied, right, it has to be that Jesus is Lord. In my depression and anxiety, it has to be that Jesus is Lord. When there's lack and not enough, it has to be that Jesus is Lord. In every situation and circumstance, the people of God must declare the sovereignty of the Lord over everything. How is it that we can believe that God is powerful enough to save us from an eternity without Him, but He's not powerful enough to deliver us from a current circumstance? How is it that a church could say that God had a vision enough to establish us, but then abandon us? 27 years into our faith or unbelief is determined by our confession few of us realize the effects of our spoken words on our own heart and even on the adversary he hears us make our confession of failure he hears us make our confession of sickness he hears us make our confession of lack And apparently, he doesn't forget. And so we unconsciously go down to the level of our confession. Can I say this to us? No one ever rises above their personal confession concerning whatever is encircling them at the moment. Our confession has to be based on the Word of God alone. Our confession says that the Father's Word cannot be broken. That what God says is true. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 2 says this. You have been trapped by what you said. Ensnared by the words of your mouth. See, I just believe that if that is true... The flip side of that coin is true too. That I become dangerous to the enemy when I become strong enough to rebuke his schemes. When I become strong enough to rebuke his deceptions. When I become strong enough to rebuke his strategies. When I become strong enough to not fall for his tricks. See, only power that I carry will be my belief in the evidence not the circumstantial evidence. So Pastor Don, what are you saying? My challenge to us right now as we renew our vision, not only for this church, but for ourselves is, what are you speaking over your life? Do you know how many people come in here every week and come to this altar begging God to move but haven't spent 30 seconds in the Word of God the week prior to that. How do you know God's heart towards you? What if we spent most of our time at the altar not crying and weeping over the circumstantial evidence, but praising God over the evidence? 
I'm not afraid of this altar. And God's not afraid of your request. But you and I both know that so many times we are in a situation or a circumstance, we, are all, we can become so unsure of God's heart towards us that we will believe the lie of the enemy. What are you saying about your spouse? What are you saying about your career, your children, your circumstances, your health? What are you saying to hell about you every day? I believe you can speak your mind as long as you have the mind of Christ. Hmm. And the evidence is, oh, watch this. God created the worlds with his words. And the evidence is, here you are. Here you are. Undeniable. Here you are. There's the evidence. God created the world with his words. And the facts are you. Me. Your lips, your tongue can build up or tear down. Change your life and your destiny. Watch this. When you believe the circumstantial evidence. Listen, when you refuse to believe the circumstantial evidence. And trust his truth. The evidence of faith is. Your daddy was once an alcoholic. But you. Are filled with the spirit. The evidence is. Your parents were poor. But now you are blessed with the riches of heaven. The evidence is uh, you've always been an addict, but now no longer. You are uh, not an addict anymore. You're not a slave anymore, but you are free. Those chains have been broken, right? That's the evidence. The evidence is your your parents were bad, but your children see the heart of God through who you are. The evidence is you came from a broken home, but now you have broken a generational curse. Are you with me, church? The evidence is you've always been sick. Listen, it's there. There's the circumstantial evidence. But the evidence of faith says, by his stripes, you are healed. You never finished anything, but the evidence is now you walk in your destiny and your purpose calls your name. Come on, somebody. Your marriage has always sucked from day one, but the evidence is now two people walk in unity as one. Your life has never had a meaning, and now purpose guides your every step. You keep having miscarriages, but now, you're, listen to me, your womb is full of fruit. You're too young. You'll never be mature enough for God to use you, but now you're leading a revival. You're too old. Your time has passed. You've got no more value. But now your life's value is expressed in legacy. Do you know what Jesus was saying to the disciples when he looked at them and said, these things will you do and greater? Not because they had more anointing or more power, but because they had more time. I want to look at every one of the young people in our church and say, all of this 
What you're going to do is greater. Because you got more time. Young people, you've always been abandoned. Your loved ones have abandoned you. Your friends have abandoned you. Your siblings have abandoned you. The world you live in has abandoned you. The public school system has abandoned you. Come on, everywhere you go, you experience abandonment. Loneliness rules your life. But the evidence is now you know that God said he will never leave you nor forsake you. when faith happens this place has got to be a place that says faith happens there and if you're going to go to church there you better buckle your seatbelt and get ready for the ride because you might walk in there on a Sunday and devils might get cast out you can walk in there on a Sunday and the sick are going to get healed you can walk in there on a Sunday and the addicts are going to be set free you can walk in there on a Sunday and prison doors are going to be opened you're going to walk in there on a Sunday and the lost are going to flock to the altar to give their heart and life to Jesus and if they dare do a baptism people are going to do cannonballs into the baptism Better watch out if you walk in and the Holy Ghost might get a hold of you. And some people are just freaking out, man. It's what happens when faith happens. Come on up here, worship team. Can I say this to us, church? You will never enjoy what you have in Christ until his word, facts, rule your lips. Church, can I say this to us? We will never have, we will never enjoy the promise of God until his word rules our lips. God is calling us to be a people of faith. Let me tell you something. That has nothing to do with any kind of new age mysticism. We often look at faith as something that is unattainable. Because we relegate it to something that is impossible to reach or touch. But none of those impossible things happened until somebody tangibly moved towards it. I I just want to say this. I, I lay awake at night, not able to sleep. Because of all the people I don't get to talk to, love on, or encourage each and every week. And it'd be much easier to not worry about letting a church grow. But here's the deal. Do we believe that the gospel we preach here transforms lives? 
I'm asking you a question. Do we believe that the gospel that is preached here transforms lives? Then why? Why would we wait for the church down the street to win the lost? I'm not against them. Just God didn't call me to wait on them. And every person in this room knows someone who doesn't know Jesus. And I promise you, fill it up. Fill it up. Bring them. Watch what God will do. This has nothing to do with numbers and everything to do with souls. And here's my heart towards you. We have state-paid chaplains in the hospitals. The state pays the chaplain to talk to people about God at the end of their life. We have state-paid chaplains in the prisons. The state pays people to talk to prisoners about God after they've messed up their life. Any other time, the state says it's illegal, I can't go into the high school and talk to them before they mess up their life. We don't have to wait. Because I know them before they go to the school. I can see them on Sunday night if you will bring them. It's about souls. Why do we build that? It's about souls. I said it's about souls. Why do we build it? It's about souls. Why do we build it? It's about souls. What, what if we started a men's cornhole league over there and some lost men start coming to play cornhole and find Jesus in the midst of it? It's about souls. What if we start a sports camp and, and some lost kids show up? Hello, someone. What if we start a men's basketball league and a women's volleyball league? Or what? We, see what I'm saying? It's endless how we can get lost people here so that they can find Jesus. Why do I do that? It's nothing to do with anything but souls. Souls. What do you want, church? I want to be a part of a soul-winning ministry who's building an army. Save the lost, equip the saved, and send the equipped. I, I don't know how to put the vision any better than that. Stand with me in this place. But you and I have got to refuse to allow the circumstantial evidence to dictate how we live. The problem with the modern day world is we've been taught to live as consumers and we consume everything that comes into our life and so we have nothing to invest. And that is why our life has no meaning. Your life never, ever, ever takes on greater meaning than when you start to serve. That's where God is calling us. So right now, I don't know, maybe in your life, you've lived under the curse of the circumstantial evidence. You come from a family of alcoholics. 
You come from a family that was always poor. You come from a family of addicts. Your parents were horrible. You come from a broken home. You struggle with sickness and disease. You never follow through or finish anything. Your marriage, want some more? Your life has no meaning. You're too young, you're too old. God has abandoned you because everybody else saw it. Maybe that's your circumstance. I don't know. The list goes on and on. This altar is open. This altar is open. But this is a day where this church gets it right. That our faith is the evidence of things not seen. And right now, I know there's some people who believe in God for chains to be broken, but you've not seen it. You believe in God to fix your marriages, your children. You believe in God to bring your prodigals home. You've not seen it. Faith is the evidence. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is, the altar is open.